นะโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมบุทธัสสะนะโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมบุทธัสสะนะโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมบุทธัสสะพุทธังธรรมังสังขังนมัสสามิ
whoever is uh, is uh, is in that position of experiencing of listening of watching every one of us feels like we are here each one of us is the center of our own universe the the heart of the the universe is is your heart you are the center of the world so wherever we are we have that that feeling of of hereness of being in a particular place I don't think anyone would disagree with that. <laughs> and that's a, an ongoing experience that we've all had during our, uh, throughout our, our lifetimes, wherever we, wherever we were geographically, whatever country it might have been, whatever situation, we always have that, sensu that, that sensation, that perception of being here. So it, I, f I find it's a, a useful thing to explore that experience of hereness, that sense of, of location, being in a particular place, and then that place being where the universe, uh, where life and reality is experienced from. Uh, many years ago, when I was living at, at uh, similarly in the winter retreat time, when I was living at uh, Abhayagiri Monastery, uh, in the, in those uh, those years, this was about twenty years ago now. In the early years of Abhayagiri, it was a very small monastic community. We had very few visitors. Uh, the winter time there is very rainy, uh, so. Uh, as, um, a lot of encouragement to be uh, a being uh, uh, ready to focus on the, the the formal practice and the the inner work of meditation. Not, not a lot of distractions, and the, uh, you know, the the cool rainy weather would tend to keep the attention focused inwardly. Uh, and it's a similar period in, uh, of time, about three weeks into the the uh, winter retreat there, I found that my mind was very, very quiet. And um, there hadn't been uh, many distractions, many other responsibilities. And so the the, the uh, quality of continuity in the practice was, was quite strong. And... and uh, uh, so after about three weeks of the retreat, now I was uh, very uh, actively uh, using the reflections on Anicca, Dukkha, Anatta to be uh, to be exploring the the flow of experience, to be you know, letting go of the feelings of of permanence or uh, feelings of of identity, and so uh, not to be making any any kind of claims. It, it seemed very very clear, and through m uh, much of of the days. The, uh, the unsatisfactory uh, nature of experience, the changing, uncertain, impermanent nature of experience, and the selfless uh, quality of experience was very apparent. And so the, the, the mind was quite clear in some respects, but I began to notice, uh, I think particularly because it was a very, very quiet situation, a very plain backdrop, there was still this kind of knot of, of tension, this uh, stressing in the, in the jitta. And though this was curious, because I thought, well, it's, this, is, this is really interesting, because you know, the mind doesn't seem to be hanging on to any, 
any any sense perception from the, the world around, or, or the inner world of memories or emotions or ideas, or uh, in terms of solidity or being uh, who uh, being who and what I am, being a, a self, being I or me or mine, that those uh, say perceptions of of identity seem to be quite. Uh, quite void, quite uh, quite transparent, uh, empty. But there was still this kind of tensing in the system. I thought, this is curious. Well, w w what's going on here? How, how, where's this coming from? And uh, as I could feel this as a, a, a repeated experience uh, for you know, several days in a row, I was curious about this, exploring. You know, where's this coming from? What what is this? What's what's this about? And then. Uh, after a few days of looking at this this feeling very closely, it, it, it suddenly uh, dawned: Oh, uh, even though everything is an ichu dukkha anatta, everything, <laughs> the, the world of, of experience, the world of uh, of the the flow of perceptions, it's all happening here. It, it, there's this way that the mind is is uh, so making it a, a place for this to be occurring, for this to be known. There's this quality of, uh, of here-ness. And that was really the first time that I'd, I'd noticed that. And that uh, uh, it was uh, quite a, an eye-opener, quite, uh, quite revealing and, and uh, helpful to, to notice that. And it never occurred to me as an issue. We tend to think of here and now being kind of a, uh, uh, well, that, that's an automatic Good, you know, if things are being experienced uh, here and now, then then that means they're, they're being seen without any kind of distortion, any any um, uh, say any bias or any uh, any delusion. But in that that uh, in that moment or in that in that period, it became clear. Oh no, this, <laughs> the way the mind is holding onto this sense of of location or, or here-ness, that there's some grasping going on there. So uh, I, I've been using the uh, uh, the practice of uh, inner inquiry, using questions as a way of uh, of helping to uh, free the mind from attachments to uh, permanence uh, or to uh, the sense of I and me and mine. So I would say uh, I'd use questions like, "Is this changing?" or "Does this?" Uh, does this uh, feeling satisfy? Can this be permanently pleasing? Uh, uh, is this me or mine? Does this have? Does this moment have an owner? Is this mind state something that belongs to a me? And if it if it belongs, what's the, what's the me that is doing the owning? These kind of questions um, uh, that uh, in uh, some of the readings we've been taught uh, from Lumposomato's teachings have been referring to those, and uh, many people will be familiar with this kind of practice using questions like who am i or or what am i what is uh, what is uh, aware of this moment these kind of uh, pattern uh, patterns or, or uh, methods approaches of uh, investigation and inquiry and then uh, at this time then i began to use that kind of inquiry to look at this feeling of location of of, of abiding and uh, and looking at that feeling of of, of here-ness. so I, I would use questions like, "Where is here?" <laughs> or, "What is it that knows this this here-ness? Or just 
it's just using the word, not even a question, just saying the word here-ness or here. <laughs> and and uh, being fully uh, conscious or as conscious uh, and aware as possible of that, uh, the way that the mind was was so uh, say causing a a, a an, an abiding was taking hold of the experience and in a way grasping that sense of locate locatedness or or a sense of of hereness and was in a way attaching to three dimensional space attaching to that aspect of the world of form and the uh uh, I thought to, uh, to to mention that this and talk about it because I, I found it was uh, it was really illuminating to me at, at that time uh, that it was a, a quality of obstruction and delusion that <laughs> yeah uh, uh, even though I'd been uh, practicing meditation for more than twenty years it had never occurred to me I'd never seen that or, or appreciated that up to that point so it was one of those experiences where i felt simultaneously uh, uh both uh, stupid that i hadn't noticed it in 20 years but also relieved or or pleased to have seen that there was that layer of of attachment and uh, uh the the way that the mind held the the uh, the process of experience and also the way that it held the the development of insight Oh, when we reflect upon it, if you if you look at it um, in terms of uh, the 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 way that the the world works, or the the, the reality of, of of dhamma and nature, then the the world of three dimensional space here and there, the physical location or, or place that only really relates to rupa khanda. To the to the uh, the world of material form, and uh, essentially, technically, and I would say in actuality, uh, place location doesn't really relate to the world of mind at all. The 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 world of the namakandas, uh, feeling, perception, mental formations, consciousness. Uh, they uh, in in essence, they don't have a connection to to three-dimensional space, to the material world. Um, th this m might sound a bit of a, <laughs> uh, of a, a pointless uh, abstraction, but uh, uh, I feel it's, a, it's something that's, that's helpful to, to explore and to, and to bear in mind, to, to look at. Because uh, that kind of um, stressing or that sense of attachment to a, a place or an abiding, uh, it's built around that the mind not seeing that um, that uh, place is a, just a physical thing, but it's, uh, it's it's in a way forming attachments and attitudes uh, that are taking hold uh, and identifying with this physical location, this particular spot, and attaching to that. And if that's not seen, if that's not appreciated, then that uh, that quality of uh, of attachment is going to carry on if it's not seen if it's not understood and not let go of then that's going to continue to be a uh, an obstruction a distortion a, a bias in, in the in the jitta in the mind uh, 
So I, I, for myself, I found that a very, a very helpful reflection, just to bring that to mind. That it, the uh, uh, it's only the the, um, the the body, the the rupakanda, that has any connection with three dimensional space. That the mind doesn't really have any limitation in terms of space. It doesn't have any place where it is, uh, and. Uh, uh, just taking that as an idea and sort of taking it to heart, considering that and exploring that, that helps to give a, a bit of perspective on it. When we develop the, uh, the quality of insight, uh, developing vipassana meditation, we're clarifying that uh, quality of awareness, of vicha, of, of, uh, uh, of the, uh, say, the natural quality of the heart, which which knows and which is awake, uh, what we call the the puru, the the one who knows, or the tatru, the element of knowing, that's uh, the the very heart of vipassana meditation is establishing and clarifying that that quality of of knowing, and so when you bring that into into uh, say into focus. Then, when we consider that, then you you can reflect that that which knows the world of form, that which knows the formed, is formless. That quality of awareness has no form. It isn't anywhere. <laughs> it is it, location doesn't apply. It is it's formless. It has no no body. It, it's it's present. It's it's awake. It knows. But uh, again, uh, without trying to sound too abstract, to take this as a principle and consider it, that which knows form is unformed. The asankata, just like in the the the, uh, the reflections we do on the the unborn, the unoriginated, the uncreated, the unformed, the ajata, abhuta, uh, akata, asankata. In that verse from the Udana, that that. Uh, when we were having pujas, <laughs> we would chant quite regularly, but it's uh, helpful to reflect upon ajatang abhutang akatang asankatang, the unborn, the unoriginated, the uncreated, the unformed. So uh, taking this as a way to to reflect and to help loosen that uh, attachment to the sense of being somewhere, me being somewhere and identified with this physical location and attached to the sense of of hereness and to to reflect that that which knows form is unformed that which knows birth is is unborn that which knows the originated is unoriginated that which knows the the created is uncreated When we're say, developing the quality of insight, then it's a it's a, a a gradual process. So that first of all, as we develop vipassana, there can be a sense of yeah, I'm I'm watching the mind, or I'm watching the rising and passing away of conditions, and then that the the I feeling can get more and more. Uh, uh, obvious and more apparent and, and more easy to identify. Oh no, it's not me watching the mind. There is there there is a watching. There's a knowing of the qualities of of experience. The it, the mind is knowing. The I 
and me and mine arising and passing away. There's, a, and that clarity uh, is something that steadily and say uh, with the deepening of the practice, with with the developing of the practice, that freedom of that awareness from the the I uh, and me and mine attachments, uh, the the conceits uh, of I am, that becomes more uh, more apparent, more clear. So that there's uh, a knowing, there's that quality of vijja, that awakened awareness, and it's watching the uh, the mind uh, creating I and me and mine, here and there, me and you, arising and passing away. So these reflections uh, then on the attachment to to location and I, uh, and the sense of of place and uh, abiding, and it, it can also uh, free up the, the that quality of awareness from being attached to any kind of uh, of place of uh, of a uh, a sense of hereness. And as Ajahn Mahabur described the, the insight that arose in his mind that was so prior to his enlightenment, I think it was at what Toy Dhammachedi, just shortly after the funeral of Venerable Ajahn Man, uh, as he was doing walking meditation, uh, this insight arose in his mind and he said it was almost like a sort of fully formed thought, almost like hearing a, a voice in his mind, that if there is a, a center, if there is a point or a center to the knowing anywhere, that is the the seed or the the the, the core of birth in in some realm or other. If there is a center uh, to that the, the quality of knowing, if there is a point or a center to that quality of knowing, that is the essence of birth in some level of being. So the, I, I realize this is quite a, a refined area of dhamma practice, but I do feel it's worthwhile exploring and uh, and that particular. Uh, insight and the way that was phrased by a venerable Ajahn Mahabur, I feel it is very, very significant, very helpful, because it's uh, it's exactly that sense of a of a center, of a of a place, of a this is this is where the knowing is. It's it's in this spot <laughs> that uh, that is what he he recognized at that moment, and then his full enlightenment came shortly after that insight uh, took took shape in, you know, within his chitta. He, he kind of reflected on that and and worked with it, and then that led to his full and complete liberation. So I, I do feel it's a very significant and helpful area of exploration. So another way of, uh, of, uh, of exploring this or reflecting on this is uh, a phrase that I like to, to use and have been bringing up a few times in recent weeks, recent months, is that which knows the person is not a person. Uh, so that that quality of awakened awareness is quality of vijja, even though it's the very uh, sort of heart of our, our uh, say, our, our life, our experience of our own being, of the world, that... Uh, uh, it, it's it's not personal. It's like the force of gravity. It's not male or female. It's not old or young. It doesn't have a a shape. And again, it doesn't have a place where it is. 
It's, it, uh, but it knows all the personal qualities. It knows the sense of me sitting here with this body, with this voice, um, saying these words, seeing uh, the people gathered here in the temple. That uh, it sees these personal qualities. It knows the, these personal qualities: the sensations of the body, the sound of the, of the voice, the sensation of the of the mouth forming words. Uh, that uh, those personal qualities are are known, but that which knows those personal qualities isn't a person. It's not. Uh, it's not. It's not a a, a a being. It doesn't belong to a. It isn't a self. It doesn't belong to a self. It's a a, a, a natural quality that uh, is uh, say awake and and aware and. Any attempt to, to define what that is in terms of, of the five khandhas is always going to fall short. So, and the, the, the process of insight meditation is clarifying that quality of awakened awareness, letting that uh, quality of vijja operate without it being taken to be a person or a, a self or an identity, a, a me or a mine or a, 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 even a thing that is here. <laughs> uh, even even saying uh, that that is say an imposition uh, upon that that quality. So I like, I like to uh, use that kind of a reflection that, that the mind is uh, is dhamma. It's not a person. The citta is dhamma. It's not a person. That which knows the person isn't a person. It's it's dhamma. It's it's a quality of nature itself. The other teaching that I like to quote very, uh, very often, I also would emphasize in this respect, uh, is uh, where the Buddha says how the Tathagata cannot be defined in terms of the five khandhas. And that in this, he's talking about his own nature, his own, but I, I feel that's, uh, as I said many times, I feel when the, he talks about the Tathagata, he's talking about the awake, aware mind. And so that uh, in the, the teaching of, uh, of uh, uh, Gota of the simile of fire, the Agi Vajagota Sutta, then the Buddha says that the, the Tathagata cannot be defined uh, in terms of form, feeling, uh, perception, mental formations, consciousness. That which knows the five khandhas can't be def def defined in terms of the five khandhas. That which is aware of the five khandhas can't be defined in the terms of the five khandhas. It's not, it's not limited by that. Uh, so, and the Tathagata is, is liberated from being reckoned in terms of the five khandhas, form, feeling, perception, mental formations, consciousness. Uh, the Tathagata is profound, immeasurable, unfathomable, like the great ocean. So this is uh, uh, this again sounds like quite grand language, but I feel if we consider what that's saying is that this quality of awakened awareness, it knows the world, it knows the body and the perceptions, our memories, our thoughts, our emotions, our ideas. Uh, it knows the the physical world that uh, we are a part of that is, is around us. It's aware of that, but it is not limited by that. It's not bound by that. It's not limited by the qualities of time or space or identity 
So it, uh, that quality of awakened awareness is not, say, uh, uh, it knows the world, but it is not confined uh, or limited, bound by the world. So a lot of our, our effort in the practice then is recognizing the way that the mind identifies with the world, identifies with the body, with time, with place, with our personality, our name, our status, where we're sitting in the temple. <laughs> Yeah, social distancing nowadays, uh, all these things that we have sort of arrange uh, in respect to our world, that uh, it's uh, that this quality of awakened awareness, this quality of vijay, it knows the world, it knows the patterns of the world, but it's not defined or limited by that. So, like the 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 question that Lumpur Char would would ask uh, very uh, regularly at the end. At the end years, the latter years of his teaching uh, career, he would uh, ask these these questions. You know, if you can't go forward, you can't go back, you can't stand still, where do you go? Where can you go? You can't go sideways, you can't go up or down either. Uh, well, the Buddha Dhamma is not to be found in moving forwards or in moving backwards, nor in standing still. So the only way that that kind of puzzle can be solved you can't go forward, you can't go back, you can't stand still. <laughs> the only way to to solve that is to let go of identity, to let go of, of time, and to let go of location, to see that that which is the fundamental nature of the of mind, the, the Dhamma itself, is outside of time, is outside of space, is, is outside of identity. And that those habits of identification i am here this is my this is where i am i'm sitting in this spot this is who i am i am this i'm a person i'm a man i'm a human being this is my name this is uh, where i'm sitting this is where i am in the world it's to uh, to bring the attention right to that and say well it looks that way but that can't be the whole story yeah what is real is not bound or limited or, or, or connected in, uh, in an absolute way to time, to place, to, to identity. That's the seeming of things. That's the challenge that we have is to, to, uh, to penetrate that apparent seeming uh, uh, quality of the moment-to-moment -moment experience and to awaken to the the the, uh, the uh, reality that underlies it, the, the timeless, unlocated, uh, non-personal quality of Dhamma itself, which is mind. I mean, it is literally mind blowing. <laughs> it blows uh, it blows the mind, which is uh, attached to uh, time and place and identity. It blows that apart. It it it. Uh, it frees itself from the limitations placed by time, by birth, by location, by identity. It sees through those. It, it, uh, it is transcendent of those. It, it is, say, uh, knowing those qualities. And then we, uh, even though uh, these uh, are quite, uh, say, subtle or refined principles, they are uh, extremely practical, <laughs> and is very, uh, very directly connected 
to uh, ending dukkha, uh, uh, I would say that uh, this isn't just to be talking about subtle or uh, abstruse areas of Dhamma just for the sake of it, but this is all to do with ending dukkha, to, to uh, uh, realize that quality of dukkha niroda. That's the point of, of looking at these teachings, the point of me talking about them and sharing them and reflecting on them is for the purpose of enabling the the uh, hearts uh, of everybody gathered here, everyone listening in and watching, to, to come to that realization of, of Dukkha Niroda. So another of the teachings about uh, location and, and going places that is very significant in this regard is uh, the... Uh, the dialogue between the Buddha and the Deva Rohitasa, probably um, most of you are familiar with um, this particular encounter where this Devata Rohitasa came to the Buddha and uh, and said, you know, before I, uh, I became a, a Deva, I was a, a yogi when I was a human being and I lived as a yogi and I had uh, great powers uh, as a yogi. <laughs> And I'd made this resolution that I would I would walk and I'd keep walking until I reached the end of the uh, end of the world. But uh, even though I walked for years and years, and I could even walk through the sky, I was a sky, he was a skywalker, literally, <laughs> not a Luke Skywalker. This is a Rohit, uh, Rohitasa, the Skywalker. Uh, I'm not sure what his what his name was as a yogi, but. Uh, uh, anyway, he said, I, I walked and walked, but I, I, no matter how long I walked, I couldn't reach the end of the world. And I died on the journey and then was reborn uh, as a deva. And so then he comes to the Buddha and said, so yeah, I, even though I, I tried to walk to the end of the world, I, I, I couldn't achieve my goal. I couldn't, I couldn't get there. And then the, the Buddha said, well, um, Rohitasa, it's impossible to reach the end of the world by walking, but I tell you that unless you reach the end of the world, you won't reach the end of suffering. And then there's this, this very wonderful dialogue that, uh, as the Buddha explains what he means by that, because it's, it's a bit of a puzzle. You, know, uh, you can't get to the end of the world by walking. You can't do it in terms of geography. Uh, uh, but you, unless you get to the end of the world, you won't reach the end of, you won't get to the end of suffering. And uh, so I feel it's, it's a, a very helpful reflection on the sense world and also this, the, 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 uh, the, say the identification with, with three-dimensional space, with, with, locate, with locatedness, with, uh, with uh, our sense of place. So then he, he uh, goes on to explain, it's in this this uh, fathom long body this this 6 foot long 2 meter ish not quite 2 meter ish uh, uh, body this fathom long body with its thoughts and perceptions there is the world the origin of the world the cessation of the world and the way leading to the cessation of the world and in that, uh, as people will recognize, that he's directly relating the world, loka, with dukkha, with, with suffering. It's a, it's a direct parallel to the Four Noble Truths. And he, in this teaching, it's a, a somewhat unique uh, teaching. It's not the only place where he uses this language in the suttas, but it's, it's rare that he does. But he is equating the loka, 
the world with with dukkha in this respect, and insofar as the the, the mind makes the world into a, a real thing, it reifies, it makes it solid and and uh, takes it to be true and solid and real. That makes the 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 world equivalent to dukkha, to to being unsatisfactory. So, what does he mean by that? That the uh, you can't reach the uh, uh, the the end of, uh, of the world. by walking but you can reach the end of the world in a different way or uh, what he goes on to uh, explain or, or what uh, is say uh, teased out in a, a separate sutta in the Sangyutin, later on in the Sangyutta Nikaya in the section 35 the, the, the conversation with Rohitasa initially is in the the uh, second section of the Sangyuta. So then later on in in the same connected discourses, uh, Sutta 116 and section 35, uh, then he, he goes on to say that what he means by the world and how you get to the end of the world. So he said, that whereby one is a perceiver of the world and a conceiver of the world, loka sanyi and loka mani, that is what is called the world in this Dhamma and discipline. And what is it whereby one is a perceiver of the world and a conceiver of the world? The eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body, the mind. So reaching the end of the world is seeing the limitations of the sensory experience. Uh, Realising that the seen, the heard, the smelt, the tasted, the touched, the cognized, these are empty of substance. These have no fundamental uh, core, no essence. That They, they are uh, mental events with no uh, fundamental, absolute substantiality. So the end of the world, I would say how the, the end of the world is reached, is in this very quality of awakened awareness. This is where the world ends. Is is right here, <laughs> right 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 now. The that in you which is hearing the sound of these words, or is seeing the 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 shape of the the temple, or the back of your eyelids, or whichever room you happen to be in. The or watching the the screen with me talking. Uh, or feeling the weight of your body, the sensation of the, the cloth on your, your skin, the temperature of the, the room, uh, the various patterns of, of mood and feeling coming and going. That is where the world ends, is in that knowing quality, that vicha which knows, is seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, remembering, understanding, not understanding, patterns of emotion, arising and passing, they are sunya, they are empty, they are essenceless, they have no core, no no, uh, uh, no sara, no, uh, no heart, no essence, no substance. So that's how the world, the world ends in vijja. And so that's what the, when the Buddha says, unless you get to the end of the world, you won't get to the end of dukkha. So the loka nirodha is the same as dukkha nirodha. 
so that uh, when there is a clear knowing, when that quality of vicha is fully established, is uh, is uh, say unobscured, unobstructed, uh, is operating clearly, then in the, in this moment it knows or oh, this feeling in my leg is a, is a is a, a sensation it uh, has a particular quality the sound of my voice the the content of the words uh, they have a particular quality these are all mental events patterns of perception consciousness that arise pass away they are intrinsically empty they have no substance, no core. So the world ends. That uh, uh, the the substantiality of the world, the solidity of the world, uh, ends. It's it's seen through. It's recognised. There is no thing there. Similarly, there's a recognition that uh, the the sense of a, of an I, the experiencer, an I who is the, the one who has the vija, or wishes they had the vija, or, or uh, is, uh, uh, is the one who is listening, or who's feeling, who's, uh, who's watching, who's attending, that is also seen as empty, that the, the sense of I and me and mine is similarly sunya, void of substance, essenceless. There's no thing here either in the the world of the subject. So the uh, the ending of dukkha is where the, that quality of vicha, that awakened awareness, is operating, uh, say, comprehensively, completely, uh, and effectively, and it's illuminating. It uh, it shines through the the subject and the object. So there's uh, it's clearly recognised. There's no thing here. There's no thing there. There's no no uh, Say uh, permanent and substantial, separate subject or object. So it's a uh, you can call it a subjectless, objectless awareness. Again, not to be too technical, <laughs> but this so this is about the ending of dukkha, and uh, it's interesting in uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi's footnote to that that passage, that dialogue with uh, with Rohitasa, he makes the comment that. That uh, uh, statement of the Buddha that it's within this this fathom long body with its perceptions and thoughts, there is the world, the origin of the world, the cessation of the world, and the way leading to the cessation of the world. He refers to that as possibly the most profound statement in human philosophy, and he is one who has a uh, a, a very uh, comprehensive background both in Eastern and Western philosophy. And he's not one who speaks in in uh, in a kind of uh, inflated ways. It's a very considered statement, uh, and it's a, a very brief comment by the Buddha to to be putting things in that way. But it, it's extraordinarily profound and helpful uh, to uh, to really take that to heart and to to use that as a way of relating to. The, the the world, the experience of the world, and letting the world end. So obviously uh, in our Western conditioning, the idea of the end of the world, we tend to have perceptions of sort of ecological collapse or uh, or terrible warfare or the heat death of the of the the universe or the the earth the planet earth being swallowed up by the sun and such like. 
But from the Buddha's perspective, what is meant by the end of the world is not the sort of um, uh, the kind of um, astronomical planet uh, of the world, but our experience of the world. So, and that's what he how he defines loka in that passage from the uh, from the the latter part of the Sangyutta Sutta, one hundred sixteen of the of that. Uh, Section thirty-five of the of the uh, Sangyutta. The world is the world of uh, our conceptions, our, our perceptions, that whereby one is a perceiver of the world and a conceiver of the world. So that the uh, the task then is to say learn how attached the mind is to. The feelings of self, the feelings of of uh, of location, being somewhere, going somewhere, uh, being somebody, and the the, uh, the challenge with the, with the practice is to be uh, looking at those feelings of of time, of past, present, future, of identity, uh, me and you, uh, and the feelings of location here and there, and the conditioning of the senses is is incredibly strong, as we know. It looks like oh, it's now nine twenty nine twenty three, and I'm sitting here and you're sitting there. <laughs> That's the time where uh, I'm in the temple. Other people are in different uh, buildings around Amravati. The different people watching this uh, this uh, recording are in different places around the country, around the world. Time, place, identity, they all seem so real, so solid, and, and so uh, inarguable according to our ordinary perceptions. And so it's a challenge to, to be bringing the attention to, to this, to see this is a constructed, formed, uh, conditioned set of perceptions that says me sitting here time is going by i'm here you're there and, and i am in this this place to let go of of identity to let go of time to let go of location this is it's a challenge but by knowing that these are the things that the mind is attached to and is addicted to taking it as solid and real then that addiction can be addressed that that habituation can be can be addressed. It can be challenged. It can be explored, and and uh, and then through that uh, exploration and the opportunity that we have for this uh, winter retreat time, it's uh, ideal. A very plain, simple situation. The weather is cool, and uh, the skies are uh, mostly grey. Uh, we haven't got any uh, duties or responsibilities outside the basic functionality of our of our life. Nobody's going anywhere. <laughs> So it's, a, it's an ideal situation, uh, as a plain a backdrop as possible, as simple and as, uh, and, as, and as supportive as can be, to look at these habits of, of perception and self-creation, to, to look and, and feel that. And even if sometimes it's it's, it seems that those kinds of conditioning are so strong, it's like completely inarguable, I'm here, 
<laughs> people are out there. Uh, time is going by, and I, I am in this spot. This is where I am. Just to be able to notice that that feeling of of uh, of hereness, the feeling of iness, the feeling of of time. This this uh, this moment, and to be aware of the strength, the, the pull of those those attachments, how convincing and how compelling those qualities seem to be. It's like that you're, you're being conscious of the, the pull of gravity, or you're, if you're hungry, that just consciously being aware of the feeling of hunger, or, uh, <clears throat> or if you're short of breath, wanting the next breath, wanting a bit more oxygen, that you're aware of that pull. That in itself is something that can be greatly liberating. Maybe a, a final reflection on, on location and a way of exploring that. Uh, again, using Lumpo Cha's uh, approach uh, to to looking at and exploring this, uh, say this quality, and to challenge it is to because all of us uh, are doing a certain amount of walking during the course of the day, just walking from our, our, our room or our kuti to, to the temple, to the sala, to uh, walking back again up and down the walking path or around the, the field or walking along. Can we walk without going anywhere? The mind which knows movement isn't moving, it's always exactly here. <laughs> it's present. So no matter even if you're even if the body is walking quickly and, and you're kind of covering ground at relatively high speed, it's still the mind which knows that perceptions of, of walking and moving isn't going anywhere. Location doesn't really apply. The mind that knows movement isn't moving. Space doesn't apply to that, that mind. You might feel like, oh I'm walking along, I'm going somewhere, but and use that as a reflection to to bring to mind. Is there is there anybody going anywhere, or is this just the experience of perceptions changing, conditions of mind that are changing? Can we uh, again using Lumpur Cha's um, approach? Can we learn to walk just one step at a time, to be walking without going anywhere, so that? It doesn't mean that you have to walk in slow motion or any kind of clumsy or sort of super deliberate way, but can we walk one step at a time? So the body is walking, is moving, but that sense of of, uh, of non-locality, of unlocatedness, of no center to the knowing, can that be established even as the eyes are open and the body is moving and and there is a, a need to 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 balance the body as it moves can there there be that quality of unlocated uh, awareness it's simple enough to even though that might sound a little bit uh, subtle or refined just take a principle like walking one step at a time Again, it doesn't mean like taking one step, freezing, and then taking another step, but just as the body moves in a fluid way, you're just with each step. The, the, the heart, the mind is attuned to each step. And that, uh, that, uh, that right there is a, a way in which there can be a, a developing of that quality 
of an unlocated uh, selfless awareness. There's no time, there's no identity, there's no place. The, the mind is, is awake. Even as we're sitting here, and as the, the sensations of the body come, come and go, the, the sound of, of these words come and go, can there be the mind established, the, the, the openness of attitude, the openness of heart, that is aware of the, the, the flow of perceptions, but is not tied to them. It's uh, it, the, the space in which those perceptions are, are taking shape and dissolving. So this is uh, being the place where the world ends, being that, being that awake, aware quality, being Dhamma. And, that, and that I would say that that quality of vicha, uh, awakened awareness, that which is, uh, say, embodied in the Tathagata, uh, the Buddha is uh, that is the the activity of the Dhamma, say so that the the, the the fundamental substance uh, of reality is Dhamma, and its principal function is awakened awareness. The Buddha arises from the Dhamma. the the the, the function principal function of Dhamma is is that quality of awakened awareness, that quality of knowing. So I also would say the the uh, the mind is dhamma the citta is dhamma it's not a person that, I say that uh, intrinsic aspect of dhamma is that quality of knowing there's a, 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 a brightness a clarity a, an awareness a, uh, a, a unobstructed quality of of, uh, of knowing awaken aware receptive bright, spacious, peaceful. When there's avijja, that always leads to dukkha. So like the, the, when the mind is not seeing clearly, then the result of that is dukkha, is discord. Even if it's if it's uh, subtle, even if it's something that's not sort of gross or painful, but that that stressing, that tensing in the heart, as long as there is dukkha, so as long as there is avicca, not seeing clearly, then the result will be dukkha. If there's vicha, <laughs> then that uh, the result of that is dukkha nirota. That's how, say the the ending of the world, the uh, loka nirota, is uh, is say, twinned with dukkha nirodha. So when there is awakened awareness, when, uh, when the, the heart is, awake, uh, is aware, that's where the world ends, that's where the dukkha ends. That's, it's this very quality of vicha, which is the embodiment uh, of, uh, of dhamma. That's, this is, say, the, the fabric of this very life, this very heart of ours, is this quality of awakened awareness that can be drawn upon, can be applied every moment. And this is the challenge that we, that we have with the practice, is remembering to be awake, to be aware, to be that, uh, to be that quality, to, uh, to be Dhamma, to, to embody Dhamma, to be awake, to be aware. And then in that embodiment of Dhamma, being awake, being aware, being that quality of Vijja, there is the ending of dukkha, there is a quality of 
of accord, the heart is in tune with the reality of its own nature and the reality of all things. It's a, a, say, a natural attunement of the heart to the fabric of its own nature, uh, which is Dhamma itself. So we, uh, we have this opportunity, this uh, extraordinary say, uh, situation, these great blessings uh, that we have uh, here at Amravati, which is uh, uh, say here because of Lumpur Sumedho's initiative of uh, more than 35 years ago. And so also I feel very, uh, very grateful, very glad that we're able to host him here. <laughs> Back in the sort of the worldly hereness once again, uh, the, physically he's on uh, on the site and uh, residing here now. So I feel really appreciative and glad that we're able to provide this uh, as a a worldly uh, abiding for for him and uh, and so greatly appreciative of the the many teachings and, and the, say the standard of practice that he has embodied and passed on to us so that uh, having re received so much in the way of teachings and uh, in inspiration and example from him uh, the opportunity that we have now i say uh, i would say comes a lot as a, 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 a Say an inheritance from all the work that he did in establishing this place and, and teaching so abundantly for so many years. So I just will finish with uh, expressing my great appreciation that uh, we have had these opportunities to hear the teachings, to practice the teachings, and may we all put our hearts into embodying the reality of them. <laughs>